What does white uh, people music? What does it? What does it, it mean? Um, you know what? It's 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 like music that means things to them. Like like for instance. Uh, I love uh, quote unquote white people music. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Hip hop is black people music. Yeah. But not just rock and roll, but like, okay, here's a couple of things I didn't know. I didn't know Neil Young was such a beloved white figure in in music. He's beloved. And he's he should be investigated and people should know, like black folks and any other body, should know how important Neil Young is as a artist to white people. <laughs> and how important the heart of Markness is to music, culture, and the world in general. That was the rest of that sentence that got cut off. He was praising me. That was the late, great Patrice O'Neill, one of my favorite comedians, talking about one of my favorite Canadians, smooth, I like that, Neil Young. But Mark, you've already done Neil Young, haven't you? Yes, but the man's had a career that's like 55 years old, and every nine and a half seconds he puts out an album. And of the 10,000 albums he's released, 3,000 of them are amazing. It's like Bob Dylan. No, he's, he has a better track record than Bob Dylan, I would say for great albums. I mean, I think Bob Dylan, in my opinion, Bob Dylan's great albums are greater than, Jesus, maybe anybody's albums other than maybe the Beatles. What about Led Zeppelin, Mark? You're supposed to love Led Zeppelin. I love the fuck out of Led Zeppelin. Lighten up. Here he goes, getting adversarial again with his invisible audience. He must be troubled. Oh, Lordy, don't you know it. Hello and welcome to the Heart of Markness. Bonus episode... Featuring, have you guessed it yet? Well, the title says Neil Young, and you've been talking about Neil Young. Is it Neil Young? Nope, it's Elvis Costello. No, it's Neil Young. At the Pacific Amphitheater, Costa Mesa, California, August 18th, 1989. 31 years ago, he played this gig. And if you were at that gig 31 years ago, Neil Young had already been around for a quarter of a century back then it's crazy when he goes it is going to be it's going to be like losing bowie in a way because it's going to be like you're not going to realize how unbelievably important and foundational he is until he's gone so on that morbid note and that was oh i mentioned that was patrice o'neill that was a clip that i had and I, uh, as I was getting ready to record the podcast, I'm like, I should have that Patrice O'Neill clip. And I'm like, holy shit, why don't you just do it? And through the magic of technology, I have done it. <sighs> All right, we have another Mike Millard tape. This is another first generation, not a master tape, which is just, uh, that's the closest low generation they have of that recording. The master somehow was either destroyed or just unable to be found. It's fine. A first-generation Millard recording is a great recording. Almost all the Led Zeppelin tapes that we know and love so well are no earlier than first-generation, except for that master that I posted. I think it was March 11th, 75. One Led Zeppelin master has come out thus far. Alrighty, I have done a Neil Young, but it was a show from 1993. It had Booker T and the MGs as his backing band. Let me put the volume up a touch there. Um, the recording level, anyway. 
Um, that was Booker T and the MGs. This is backing band in 93, Electric. This is an acoustic show. Just Neil and his harmonica. Beware, there's a lot of folksy harmonica, very much like Bob Dylan. And um, unlike my last Neil Young podcast, I am not ridiculously stoned. So I don't think I'm going to go into rants where I equate Neil Young as the greatest living serial killer and that he brags about it in his music. Although, if that theme does pop up, I will, uh, you know, <sighs> the facts speak for themselves. What is that? Res ipsa loquitor? Ah, Jesus, I can't even remember anymore. I forgot my Latin. Are you that old, Mark? Yeah. Alas and alack. Alrighty, friends, we've got Neil Young, Acoustic Tour. This is um, 1989, before the release, a couple months before the release of his album Freedom, where he, um, it was one of his 10,000 comebacks. I think at some point somebody wrote that every, that Neil always closes a decade with an amazing album. And they went back and, uh, you know, related to what everybody knows, this is nowhere or after the gold rush or something from 69 and then Russ never sleeps 79 and then freedom 89. Uh, let's see what he did. 99. I've got his discography right here. Eh, that doesn't work. All right. It doesn't hold true. Only for 30 years did it work. He's been around forever, and he's still putting out music. And the only thing you can say about him is that, wow, wow, he is an ugly fella. But I love him so much. That's not fair, Mark. No, it's not fair. It, but, you know, I love him. And, you know, one of the one of the things I love about him most, I am not uh, well-versed in Neil Young. I never had a Neil Young phase. But, you know, because he is so titanic, it's like you, you you think, you know, like five of his songs and then you realize, you know, like 35. And um, as I was saying, one of my favorite performances of his of that I know of is uh, him playing helpless with the band at the last waltz in the last waltz movie, which was Chris uh, Thanksgiving Day, 1976. And um Infamously, as as almost everybody knows, um, Neil was ridiculously, ridiculously wasted and basically just hoovered a God-tier amount of cocaine in order to become mobile and go out and perform, which he did brilliantly. But uh, he had a huge coke booger <coughs> that was... Uh, manually airbrushed out of the movie at great expense, frame by frame. Sorry for that cough, everybody. I, I need to I need to become more aware that I'm recording and people are listening to this and I'm not just talking to you. And I think it's a nervous thing. Every time I record the podcast or anytime I'm giving any kind of public speaking or even back in school when you'd be like, tell us about your book report, Mark, I would always get the tickle in my throat. And just talking about it, I feel it. It's got to be psychosomatic. Hold on, I'm about to cough. I'm going to turn my head and step away, just like the chocolate rain dude. <coughs> I step away from the mic to cough. Chocolate rain. Chocolate rain. 
bum, 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 bum. The internet. Everybody gets their 15 minutes. God knows I'm scrambling for mine. All right, Marky, you are in danger of rambling. All right, back on track. Let's just read this track list, shall we? ADD, ADD. All right, this is a great show. As I said, it's an acoustic show. You, it has he did 17 songs. It's not a very long set, but it's 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 like it's like kind of like going to see the Ramones. What what was there like uh, 20, 18 songs in 32 minutes or 36 minutes or something like that. So they would play for like 40 minutes. Like that was a short concert. It's like, yeah, but they did 20 fucking songs. Um, Neil is doing well, set list. Mark focus, focus. All right. Here's what he plays. Again, this is August 18th, 1989. He does my, my, hey, hey. Rockin' in the Free World, acoustic. <clears throat> Sugar Mountain, Helpless, Pocahontas, Crime in the City, This Old House, Too Far Gone, Roll Another Number for the Road, This Notes for You, This Note, This Note, This Notes for You. That was a commercial, wasn't it? The Needle and the Damage Done, No More, After the Gold Rush, Heart of Gold, Ohio, Another version, different arrangement, of Rockin' in the Free World. And then he, he uh, closes out with Powderfinger, which is interesting on acoustic. All right, see? Most of those songs you know. And if you're a Neil Young fan, you probably know all of them. But even as a casual Neil Young fan, you know My My Hey Hey, Rockin' in the Free World, Sugar Mountain, Helpless, probably Pocahontas, maybe that's the other. Uh, this Notes for You, you'd recognize it if you heard it. Needle in the Damage Done, you know. After the Gold Rush, you know. Heart of Gold, Ohio, Rockin' in the Free World, you know. And Powderfinger, probably. That's like three of the 17 songs may be new to the average fan. That means he is, as Patrice O'Neill said, beloved a cultural treasure he is beloved all right friends let's go to the first thing we're going to do the show opener my my hey hey all right i'll see you in a bit
bit of a weird awkward ending there and um this is now of course too late but i did mention that there's harmonica and there is indeed harmonica so adjust your volume accordingly because having that come screeching out if you're wearing earbuds is going to make your eyes pop out <sighs> it was good though seemed a little tentative to me i don't know but i mean I'm, i guess i think i'm just involuntarily or by default comparing it to uh the version that came out 10 years earlier so it's a different version a decade later and a different neil young i have dropped the volume a little bit on the tracks because they they are at least they show to be a little bit hot to me so i hope there's not too much um popping out other than my stupid coughing and startling you and making you uh you know jerk the wheel and drive into a ditch nobody wants that especially if you're a patron but um all right like i said this is 1989 august 18th and um just a couple months before the release of free but freedom his album freedom with uh rocket in the free world which was huge went gold well maybe not huge big it was on the radio all the time and uh it's a good song rocking in the free world is fun and it was kind of a bit of a comeback to the charts for Neil. 
uh, for most of the 80s to the consternation of David Geffen, who had uh, assigned him when uh, Neil had been on reprise records or reprise or reprise records uh, throughout the 70s, maybe in the 60s, I don't know. <clears throat> but David Geffen lured him to Geffen Records and gave him complete creative control and freedom, very similar to what Led Zeppelin had in their contract. Now, that contract was 10 years, 12 years before this, before Neil Young's contract. And one of the reasons that Neil got that creative freedom and control is because Zeppelin was the first to do that. Um, I don't know, maybe the Beatles had something. The, Be the Beatles didn't get the money and the percentages of their earnings that Zeppelin got. Um, so that creative control allowed the, you know, Neil to put out whatever he wanted. And Neil is an eclectic fellow. And um, unfortunately for Mr. Geffen, Neil's went from Rust Never Sleeps in 1979 to Hawks and Doves, which did not do that well. And then <clears throat> he jumped to Geffen and put out Trans, which is a very electric synth pop album. That's a couple of the songs are really kind of cool. Has Transformer Man that you might have heard, uh, Sample and Hold. I love that song, and he did a craftwork kind of version of Mr. Soul. Very interesting, not that commercially successful, because nobody wants to hear Neil Young sound like Devo. And then the next album he put out for Mr. Geffen, who was like, that was shit, give me a rock album. He says, all right. Here's a rock album. He put out Everybody's Rockin' with the Shocking Pinks, which is a 1950s doo-wop album or doo-wop flavored album that, again, tanked. <laughs> Although I do love the song Wonderin' and the video for the song Wonderin'. Um, and that song Wonderin' had been around since at least 1970 because Neil used to play it live back then. Wonderin' when you'll come home. I'm hoping that you'll be my baby. That one. Great song. Again, David Geffen pulling his hair out <laughs> by this time. Neil then puts out Old Ways, a country album. Landing on Water, an album that was rejected two or three years earlier because it wasn't good. In This is David Geffen and the Geffen label. And... and an album, Life with Crazy Horse, that again, didn't do anything. And then This Notes for You with Neil Young and the Blue Notes, which did a little better. But it, it was kind of, I mean, it made radio play. This note, this notes for you. Uh, but that was on reprise. So Neil goes back to reprise. And then what's he got? This notes for you, which, you know, wasn't great, but wasn't horrible. And then Freedom. And <laughs> So David Geffen sues Neil Young, you know, and the gist of the suit was, you stupid fuck, why did you spend a decade fucking me over? We were friends. We've known each other for years. We're friends. I gave you that freedom, and you fucked me. You just tanked an entire decade by putting out garbage. I'm suing you. 
And then Neil's lawyers said, Mr. Young is an artist and he has complete creative and creative control. He was given creative control in the contract in a countersuit that was, I think it was a $20 million countersuit to David Geffen's $3 million suit. And um, long and short of it is David had a come to Jesus moment and uh, deeply apologized for interfering with Neil's work. Uh, nice. So here's Neil coming out of that 80s. I don't know. I don't think it was a funk. I think Neil Neil is kind of like Bob Dylan in that he does what he wants to do. And he could probably, I, I can imagine that he could, if he wanted to be an asshole, he could be an asshole like that in that annoying way like that. But, um, you know, it's on record. Neil does a true, Neil does whatever he wants and it's brilliant. And the genius of it is that most of the time what he does is popular to the culture in general. Some of the time it defines the culture and is momentous and will be legendary and archetypal in a way like Marilyn Monroe is her image, the Che Guevara image that you see on T-shirts, Groucho Marx, you know, the images become something more than um the pe- than than the artist and neil has that in ways musically not visually necessarily but you know and and a consequence of that or a side effect of that is that he covers a lot of ground creatively and it's just it's funny because if he did it to be a dick because for some reason he didn't like David Geffen, which seems very unlikely given that uh, their business relationship is, is bookended on either side with documented legitimate friendship and artistic appreciation. So it's just interesting. Maybe it is just a, a bummer. <laughs> like when a great baseball player gets traded to a team and he, then he plays like shit and he gets traded to another team and then immediately becomes a Hall of Famer in performance. It, it's it's interesting. All right. I hope it's interesting anyways, because I've talked about it enough. All right. So we have the, the, the lowdown of Neil Young in the 80s. How about playing some more music, eh? Let's, uh... All right. Let's go to the aforementioned Rockin' in the Free World, which would be the first time these people were ever hearing it. And it's in an acoustic manner. It is the second song. It came immediately after My My Hey Hey. So there's a bit of a flow here. So Rockin' in the Free World, the first performance. Are you going to hear both? No.
Honestly, Neil sounds like and looks like, you know, your drunk neighbor who's a great guy and you like him. And he does everything right. I mean, he keeps his keeps his his grass cut. His house looks good. You know, he's always out there working on his truck with his ass crack showing. And I don't know where I was going with that. Well, it's a free podcast, everybody. <laughs> um, it's just fascinating to hear him speak. He sounds like he's a little loaded. So do you, Mark. I'm not a little loaded. I have been hitting the, uh, hitting the old pipe as I've been listening to this, as Neil would want it. But uh, he always sounds a little... Not always. Let's let's dial that back. In this case, he sounds a little, maybe a little inebriated. Who knows? I have no idea if he's clean and sober. I know he wasn't, but uh, everybody wasn't, and most people are now. Especially now that he's in his shit. At least his early 70s, probably his mid-70s. Maybe his late 70s. Shit. We're going to start losing these guys soon. That breaks my heart. It, but at least he's still, he's still putting out new content. And have you looked at the Neil Young archive? He's got an archive online. I have not looked at it in a while, and I only looked at it in a very cursory manner. But um, there's a website, if you Google it, I think it's just called the Neil Young archive, where he has zillions of recordings zillions i mean not just albums outtakes I, I, you know 
Let me dial that back again. I can't remember if he had studio stuff. For some reason, I think he did. But even if he didn't, he has, you know, 50 plus years of live material out there. I don't know. I can't remember. It was free at the time. Maybe it's subscription based. But if you're a Neil Young fan, it would be worth looking into if you're not already aware of it. I mean, hopefully you're not aware of it and you're like, I got to check that out. It's really cool. It's Neil Young's official thing. It's not like a bootleg. It's run through Neil. And um, I'm reminded of it because I got an email from them maybe two weeks ago saying that they are divesting from Google and Facebook for privacy reasons and that (coughs) turned away to cough. Um, And that, you know, the feature you have, it's like log in with your Facebook, sign in with your Google. All that stuff is just used to track you, gather more information on you, create a profile and sell it so that you can get those ads that are scarily relevant. It's like if you're talking to yourself and you're like, man, my balls itch. And then, you you know, you get online. It's like balls itch. Try balls no more. Um, Well, actually, no. (laughs) Try itch no more. (laughs) Sorry. All right. Got to recalibrate. I apologize. Apparently I'm stoned. All right. Moving forward. I got to stop copying Bill Burr's format. I almost said plowing ahead. Huh. I just realized that I copy Bill Burr a lot. I got to work on that. Become my own person. Anyway, let's listen to After the Gold Rush, which is one of my favorite Neil Young songs. And I think it's the first song of his that I fell in love with. Yeah, unbelievably good. Unbelievably beautiful. Touched my my teenage heart, you know, back when you were, you know, looking for true love and the one and uh, your purpose in life. And music and movies and books meant everything. Yeah, I was a Star Wars kid, as most of you are demographically, because you're all old, too. Um, and seeing Star Wars in the theater, it was an imprinting moment. moment you know, it, it for us all, it, it's a touchstone in a way like, uh, you know, Kennedy getting shot or 9-11 or something that everybody of a generation has a common connection to and uh jesus sorry drifting again (laughs) getting all philosophical yo no just talking like a stoner all right friends after the gold rush neil young acoustic enjoy
That's still a great song. I love that. Oh, what an interesting ending to that, too. With the rare of the harmonica. And he still has his voice. Such an interesting, I mean, it's, it's a kind of, it's unique. It's, it, and the fact that it blends so well with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And can still be that kind of reedy, almost almost quavering but just I mean conveying emotion uh, on such a level and he still sounds like that in his 70s that's amazing you you know you'd think that there would be a dropping his speaking voice is dropped you know in tone in pitch the tonic drops as one gets older but um it's just incredible. He's an amazing artist. You know what else is amazing? The next, oh, and the last song I'm going to play for you. Thank God you're saying. Um, yeah. Fantastic. What am I going to play? Oh, I know what I'm going to play. Excellent. But first, here he goes. Follow me on Twitter at Heart of Markness. Follow me on Facebook or join my Facebook group. There we go. Proper verbs. Join my Facebook group, which is ironically called Heart of Markness. It is full of great people who are really, really nice, really, really smart, really, really generous with their time and their knowledge. So it's a nice place to hang out when it's not tremendously popping but it's interesting or oh heartofmarkness.com is my website where you can find this show you can listen to the entire show not just the songs that i featured by going to heartofmarkness.com clicking the download link and drink up if you like what i do if you like the concept of somebody putting out these live recordings well i don't put them out but putting them out in the podcast realm for your enjoyment and edification if you like led zeppelin every thursday i do led zeppelin which most of you know if you like that and you want to help support that as a concept or me as a human being a deeply flawed human being at that you may, you may <laughs> take two. You may consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash heartofmarkness. 
And in doing so, you get cool things like an extra podcast a month, stickers, etc. The etc. means I'm working on the rest. But free podcast a month, extra, cooler stuff, stuff I can't play publicly. Bound chicka wow wow. <laughs> and here are the names of the titans upon whose shoulders rests this mighty podcast. A laurel and a hearty handshake to Rob, Wayne, Brad, Danielle, Tracy, David, Peter, Mark, Other David, Bill, Mimo, and Avi. Thank you very much, dear friends. Your patronage helps offset the cost of the podcast and then some. It literally and definitively and tangibly helps me in life. So it is deeply appreciated, friends. Alrighty, back to the show. Now, I'm going to play you the last song of the podcast. But there's, like I said, there's 17 songs. You'll be able to get them on Heart of Markness for free. And uh, it's going to be Powderfinger, which closes the show and is one of my favorite Neil Young songs. It's a little bit different and a little bit, you know, you don't have that. You know, it's an electric song in my mind, but uh, it works. It is powerful, as is Neil Young. And enjoy it, friends. Powderfinger, August 18th, 1989. Thank you, Mike. Oh, and a shout out to Mike Millard again. If you don't know, if you're just dropping in because you... <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, that came out of nowhere. Um, if you're just dropping in because you saw this on Twitter or something and said, I love Neil Young. Um, Mike Millard is the best stealth taper that's ever lived, at least in common memory. There's probably other folks who have gotten better captures here and there. But consistently over an almost 20-year period, he recorded almost every big show in the L.A. area and recorded it on incredible equipment. He had a Nakamichi tape recorder with a custom battery pack. He had AKG mics. And he would um, either bribe his way to the best taping locations or he would um, go to the show in a wheelchair and back in the 70s you know the, the, the handicap locations and you know disabled seating or whatever wasn't as cut and dried so they'd just wheel him wheel him up to the front and go enjoy um, and he made he captured amazing amazing quality shows and there's a, a, a taping group called Gems, J-E-M-S, that has gained his archive of master recordings and first-generation recordings where the master can't be located of these incredible shows. He was a trader. He didn't sell these, and he hated the thought of them being sold. And um, when he would trade these shows with people, he would mark them and mark the recording in a way that he would make a dropout or he would change the sound quality or he would cuts you know he he would mark the tape so that if it was bootlegged he could find out which son of a bitch did it um so the 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 value the added value of these tapes released by gems is that these are the tapes free of markings they're the master recordings where they can get them restored put in new cassette shells 
baked in an oven when necessary to to you know adhere bring out enough um oils i guess in in the plastic base to adhere the oxide to the tape for one more playthrough you know kinds of things to 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 preserve this stuff and then distribute it to the masses for free so that it can live forever because it's tremendously important culturally some of the best led zeppelin concerts ever performed were captured by mike pink floyd queen everybody everybody has been captured by this guy and it, he's tremendously relevant and important. Excuse me, got another cough. <coughs> Sorry, felt a building. I wonder what that is. It's probably a psychi- psychological name for it. You're fucking crazy. There you go. Um, but hundreds of shows. Unbelievably well captured. You know, Fleetwood Mac playing their hometown on the Rumors Tour. You know, stuff that's just the best of the best at the peak. And um, thank you, Gems, for doing this and releasing this. And, you know, I am... The reason I do these bonus episodes, originally it was for the whole COVID quarantine thing. But since the rest of the world seems to have its shit together, um, that's not as necessary anymore. Knock on wood. Um, but I do it because every every Saturday the gems group releases another Millard tape out into the world. And I, the only way in which I can contribute to this amazing legacy is to help propagate it, evangelize it. So every week, you know, unless it's totally out of my wheelhouse, I release, you know, a podcast about that tape so that it can reach a wider audience put his name out there more, put his work out there more, because, you know, I get emails from folks, not a, not a lot, but the ones I get are, are heartening because it's typically like, holy shit, I had no idea. There are some people who have no, who had no idea that bootlegs exist, that there's just this incredible, incredible database of live recordings for just about every artist that are pretty easily available online if you know where to look um and not even illicitly like free these are torrent sites and things and so there are those people to whom this world is opened up it's like you land in oz and suddenly everything's in color and that's great and then there are people who forget about it it's like oh shit i haven't listened to blueberry hill in years you your podcast got me to go back to it and then there are people who are like, I had no idea Mike Millard was so amazing. These recordings are so amazing. It's great to hear. And that's, you know, what I'm trying to go for because it's, I feel obviously quite passionate about the live recording and the live music and the free distribution thereof, but also about Mike Millard's legacy and the importance to human culture, Western culture. This is something that graduate students, you know, a hundred years from now can look back on and cite. Uh, Per the Millard archive, it has been noted that Freddie Mercury sang this way and, um, you know, it's part of, it's part of the Western canon now. It's part of our collective, uh, soul. Oh shit. That's a shitty band. 
I don't know. You know where I'm going. It's important and I like it, so I want to share it with you. There you go. Could have said that 15 minutes ago. I apologize, friends. I do. By and large, <laughs> I've been working very hard to be more uh, cogent and cohesive and uh, not quite so out there and flaky-wakey, but today's a flaky-wakey day. Anyway, Powderfinger, Neil Young, enjoy. Look out! Oh, dear. 
shelter me from the powder and the finger. All right, nice way to end this. Thank you very much for listening, friends. Neil Young, bless him, bless his heart, bless Mike Millard for sharing this with us. And uh, again, if you want to download this show, you can grab it, not immediately, but I have to upload it first, but you know, on heartofmarkness.com, as well as uh, almost every other show I've done. Sometimes it's not applicable. Sometimes I've been asked not to share the recording and uh, you know how it goes. But most of the shows that I that I that I talk about, you are able to download at Heart of Markness. So check it out. Okie dokie. Thank you very much. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And I will talk to you on Thursday with the new Led Zeppelin podcast. Adios.